0: D-A-B. Online,
1: on the app and on your smart speaker. Order, order. All rise for following on Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport.
2: Welcome to Manchester, where they are uh, just starting to batten down the hatches, awaiting uh, the storm to end all storms. Uh, and we've had uh, some uh, uh, tempestuous um, uh, press conference uh, action involving Johnny Besto, which we we're going to bring to you here in the next hour or so. He's not someone who always celebrates with a smile, and possibly an innings that we saw from him today has just rammed home a point or. Uh, for the next hour it's myself John Norman and the main man Steve Harmison and uh, what a shame it would be if after three days of action packed Ashes cricket at the rain brings it all to a soggy end the forecast over the next two days mixed to say the least but what we do know It was another day of English domination here at Old Trafford. Half centuries from Stokes and Brook, uh, entertaining the crowd in the morning and pushing England's lead past 150. And when they went, Bairstow, with a point to prove and the field spread, well, he made it count, smashing sixes and battering boundaries. Although in the end, stranded, 99 not out. Bairstow will
3: skate off now to get his keeping gear on, but... He will acknowledge the crowd. That has been a quite outstanding innings from England's wicketkeeper batsman.
2: Well, he did acknowledge the crowd and he also fired laser beams in the direction of the press box as he walked off. England 592, Australia, a deficit of 275 and Mark Wood with the breakthrough, the final over before tea. That's
3: an extra pace. Yes! standing there looking somewhat bemused but england very very confident about this
2: australians though well they can read weather forecasts as well as the english knowing a draw is enough for them to retain the ashes well it was all about uh, preservation and it worked for a while warner chopped on to waste another start and then smith and labashane tried to get to stumps but mark wood Finally given the James Anderson end, and boy did he make it count with the wickets late in the day of Travis Head and Steve Smith.
4: Oh, has
1: he
3: got it? Smith walks. The plan has worked to treat. Good bouncer. Smith tried to help it on its way, and all he's done is help it through to Johnny Bestow. That's
5: the big
2: breakthrough. Australia, four down at stumps. And if not for that dodgy weather forecast, we'd we'll all be looking forward to an England win and the series going 2 2 to the oval. But will the weather allow for that? Plenty to talk about here uh, over the next hour with myself, John Norman, Steve Armisen, and you're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest on Talk Sports. Well, big thanks to Sky Sports Cricket for those highlight clips. I'll tell you what, it's been a nice day here in Manchester, Harmi. The sun's out now as I speak. But I must admit, I felt like putting on the jacket, it all got a little bit ch- little bit chilly in the last 20 minutes or so with uh, Johnny Bairstow talking to the press. Um, and we could hear a little bit about it, but uh, he's not a happy bunny. Kind of saw that, didn't we? Can you remember that test match in Colombo? Actually, no, you weren't out there with us for that one. But, you know, he, scored a, he was back in the side for the third test and uh, scored a century, um, set up a win for England. Mark Nicholas was out there with Goffey, and, of course, Goffey and Johnny go way back, don't they? And uh, we're all expecting Johnny to, you know, big smile on his face, what a great century back in the side. I'm so pleased. Uh, What actually happened was he just used it as an excuse to have a a couple of digs. And uh, do you know what? I think we might be hearing a couple of digs tonight as well.
4: I think he might be having another look with another Yorkshireman uh, right now because <laughs> yeah. I know he was on his hit list and his radar. He, he deserves to, to be fair. He's, he's took some stick. And I think some of, it, some, of, some of the criticism he has to accept because he's dropped a couple of catches. I think some of the criticism he's took has been easy, an easy target. An easy target when you're talking about a player who's not on the team and they're talking about him as an absolute world-beater. That player could not do any. That player could not do anything that Johnny Basteau can do with the bat. That's why the boys playing. That's why Ben Stokes, gone out on a limb for Zach Crawley. That's why he's gone out on a limb to get Mo and Ali into his team. That's why he went out on a limb to try and get Mark Wood fit for the for the first test. For he wasn't fit for the second test. That's why he's back, Johnny Basteau, to bat at number seven, to go and score runs and keep wicket the best he possibly can. Well, Johnny's kept the best he possibly can. Um, and it's, sometimes it's not good enough. But the one for, for a lot of people. But the one thing you can never ever doubt is when Johnny berstow has got the bit between his teeth, when he's got the bat in hand, and when he sees a chance to. You know, fast forward a game. I tell you what, there's not many better out there who can do that. Stokes possibly in this team, but nobody else. That's why they've stuck with him. That's why they've they've sort of persevered with this. Right, we'll. We'll take a couple of drop catches because we know he's ceiling level with a bat. And do you know what? He might have just put us in a position to go 2-2 at the oval and a great chance of winning the Ashes.
2: Look, I don't mean to be devil's advocate, but he did walk to the crease at 437 for five. You know, I mean, it was a great innings. I enjoyed mm. it. He hit some powerful sixes, but the field was spread. The tired bowlers and, I, he, look, I couldn't score one run, <laughs> let alone 99, but, I mean... I
4: mean, yeah, I get come that. On. No, I get it, but I'll throw it back at you. That oh, England in this in England in the position that we're in, and the where the forecast is, and the way the game could end, England had to only bat once in this game. They had to get a lead of over 250. They had to make time up in the game. So the reason why it's even more special for me because a lot of people can say, mean you know, that was an easy, that's a free hit for him." That wasn't a free hit for him. He knows for a fact England can't bat fourth in this game because there's not enough time in the game. He had to make the time in the game for England to be in a position to win the game and that for me why it makes it so much more special because it could have been a free hit, not a problem. England England bowl Australia out, England potentially have a, a chance to bat fourth and, and win the game. No, England aren't going to bat fourth and win the game because of the way the weather forecast is. That for me is why that was a special. Instance.
2: But it's a funny old game, isn't it? You remember, I mean, Michael Afton still gets stick for calling a declaration when Graham Hick was 98, not out. <laughs> Could you imagine the scenes <laughs> if he'd done it to Johnny? But um, and look, I'm not I'm loathed to It's. It would be perverse for anybody to criticize. And I didn't actually criticize Ben Stokes for that declaration at Edgbaston. But, you know, he got he got slammed for an early declaration at Edgbaston and now there are people out there saying that uh, or rather questioning the decision not to take an earlier declaration here at uh, Old Trafford but it is a quirk of the game isn't it that essentially the only reason they were out there was so Bearstow could hit a century rather than putting the needs of the team first
4: Yeah but I I looked at there's a few things that you could look at in that in that last sort of 25 minutes of that innings. you can see in just Bearstow the way he looked at the dressing room, the way the cameras panned on Besto was 90 and he turned at the end of an over when he was when he was, I think, talking to Jimmy Anderson and he turned to the dressing room as to see, oh, are we coming off? So I think Johnny was quite prepared to walk off then. He was looking at the dressing room. Whether he was thinking they might walk off, I don't know. But Yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. I
2: don't think Johnny... I, I, you're I, absolutely right. Yeah. I was here and between overs, I'm not sure... Well, you mentioned it, so you, you know. But they were looking up. When Johnny mm. was 80, not out, they were looking at the balcony. And, and when Johnny was 84, not out, they were looking at the balcony. So... Johnny would have gone off. It's yep. not that John, they didn't do it. Johnny didn't want to be out there just to score a century. He would have come off. But, you know, come the end of Sunday, and, Austra- you know, we get two hours play on Sunday. Say we get two yep. and a half hours, and Australia are eight or nine down. Can't tell me that that won't be seen as a, as a decision that was the wrong one. I mean, that would be in hindsight, right? Yeah, it would so, be in hindsight. But there's another but thing
4: to this as well, that on. you can can throw it beyond that, beyond what whether declaration or not we've lost 26 overs in three days because of slow over it. You know, there's the, we are, we literally, we have lost. If you if you go on the overs that have been bowled so far, I think it's 238. with six for the change of innings. And I think, so that leaves it with 26 overs short of where we possibly could have been if you bowled the whole allotted overs in a time. That, for me, is criminal. And I, and I don't want to talk like an old man here. You know, we've had some ridiculous entertainment. Get on
2: with the game. Get
4: on with the game. But... You had know, 26 overs. That's that's more than a session that we're these lot playing now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was Australia bowling as well, though, wasn't it? It's you know England. England were running, running yeah. between. It was old Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor was back. They were. <laughs> I, I saw uh, a little excerpt from Nick Compton's book, and uh, when he was playing for England, someone well, someone came up to him and put two caffeine pills in his hands and said, "You're going to need these, mate." And uh, he was like, "What for?" And then after a, a day in the field with Matt Pryor. Making sure that everybody ran between overs, you, really, you realise why. <laughs> That's how England started off today. But the point you make is, is absolutely fair. But of course, Australia have come in without a spinner, and um, and England uh, haven't haven't really turned to Mooney Alley and haven't really needed to. Uh, a great deal in the Test series uh, in the Test match so far. Uh, we're not weather weather people, are we? But I, I've I've for the last. Ten years, I've gone around saying that my motto in life is never believe the weather forecast. You know, it's it sounds like a. I mean, obviously that isn't my real motto. But I watch a lot of cricket, and in the build up to today's cricket, part of what you do is you check the weather forecast a day out, two days out, three days out. Um, and more often than not, Harmy, it's wrong. Mm. I if I had a quid for every single time. You know, two or three sessions of play was being threatened the next day, only to wake up and find that that big band of rain has either gone above us or below us, and we've had a full day's play. Honestly, you know, that would more than double my daily rate at Talksport. But there's been a consistency to this weather forecast that's been uh, predicted. I mean, what a way to finish what has been the most exciting Ashes series yeah. in 18 years, if that is how this is going to end up.
4: It would, if it, if it adds, but it's just tomorrow. I don't think Sunday. It's as I don't, Sunday think, as Sundays, well. I don't mate, think Sunday's is. as bad. I think the Sunday forecast is not as bad. Did you but, not
2: hear John Ketley on Drive?
4: Yeah, I did, but yeah, I think to get both forecasts right in two days in a row, you know, some of the some of the forecasters couldn't get yesterday's weather weather right. Well, no, I they, know, I know. But I, look England can only control what it is you're totally right it would be an, it would be so an you know an anti-climax if it did finish with Australia winning this test or drawing this test match and they're going 2-1 and 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 retain the ashes but England can only control what they need to control which is 50 overs I think 45 to 50 overs that's what it's going to take between now and the end of the game 180 overs left potentially left in the game that's a lot of overs to lose with these these um, drainage systems in um, in cricket now, especially in England. So, you know, we might lose all day tomorrow. The majority of tomorrow, we might get 15 overs tomorrow. England will be hoping that if they do get 15 overs, they can get them sort of seven, six, seven, eight down and then whatever needs Sunder needs most. So England have got to be prepared that when they come out, They've got to, you know, hit the ground running and make the right decisions because I think a couple of times in this, this innings, this, this third innings of the match, I'm not sure England made the correct decisions um, straight away um, and Mark Wood showed that he's devastating best. He could have come on a bit early, He could have been used a little bit earlier and I think that might have made a little bit more of a difference.
2: Uh, we're getting uh, we're going to get some uh, audio from uh, the Johnny Besto press conference which is taking place right now there's some absolute gold coming out of it which you can imagine uh, so we'll be playing that throughout the next 45 minutes or so so don't go anywhere got a, an interview uh, between Sam Ellard and the former Australian captain Kim Hughes who has some really interesting things to say about the captaincy uh, by Pat Cummins in this test match he got it Stick around and listen to that. Uh, We're going to get fan reaction on Bairstow. We're going to get fan reaction from the Aussies, on the Aussies. Um, And also David Gower has been at Old Trafford today, and Sam Ellog caught up with him as well. So lots to come here on the show. You're listening to myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and this is Following On Ash's Inquest. Okay, uh, you're listening to Following On Ash's Inquest. We're going to get more from Harmy in a minute, but uh, there was a a great interview uh, that took place... um, a few moments ago, actually, Sam Hellow catching up with the former Australia captain and uh, top-order to Kim Hughes, who was uh, very critical of Pat Cummins and Australia's tactics. Let's have a listen.
1: Well, I've never seen an exhibition like that from virtually the get-go uh, with a new ball when you only had two in the cir- well in the circle, so to speak. We got an early wicket, and then um, uh, Mo and Ali came in and uh, there were so many singles and twos around and took all the pressure off so i don't know what plan they were working on but i've never seen it and and it just takes away any pressure on the batsmen and they were able to just accumulate singles and they did bat well um but uh it was well i've never seen anything like it at all whoever's plan it was i should chuck it out the door so you think cummins captaincy was really poor there well well the, yeah it was Absolutely, because you've got a new ball, you've got good strike bowlers. The idea is to get some wickets. That's the best form of defence. And even if the wicket's not doing a lot, at least if you have mid-off, cover, a point, a mid-on, mid-wicket, and a forward square, at least it forces them. Maybe if you bowl straight to play across the line, the chance of LBWs because the wicket's not as doesn't bounce as high as what happens in Australia. Um, And the, the idea of having a leg slip or a leg gully is a complete. It's a fluff.
2: Thoughts on that, uh, Steve <laughs> Armisen? I mean, you know, Kim Hughes, he's, he's great. I, mean, I tell you what, one of the greatest books ever written, uh, greatest cricket books ever written, was about him. Uh, well worth digging out. I'll, I'll find what it's called. I read it a couple of years ago. It's absolutely fascinating insight into the Australian dressing room back in the day uh, where essentially Kim Hughes was bullied by the likes of Merv Hughes, Rod Marsh, and uh, Jeff Thompson, but uh, he's he's never short of an opinion. Is Kim Hughes is out here with one of the tour groups? But uh, what did you make of that?
4: Yeah, he's never short of an opinion. He's 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 always good for for a quote. But I look at the the criticism. There is going to be criticism towards Pat Cummins, and unfortunately, you know the way England have played in this game since that second innings at Headingley, or since Mark Wood exploded at Headingley when Ben Stokes um, when Ben Stokes was in with him. I think since then, I think we've seen England go from kamikaze basball to controlled basball, and I think Pat Cummins is finding out, you know, what the next phase of this 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 new way of England are going to play, um, the harsh way because we've questioned England getting out, caught on the boundary, having a go you know, with three or four men back, and I think a lot of people, a lot of us commentators, and a lot of people are saying, well, look, now you've got them on the back back foot on the. You know, the role on the line, can you play and be more energetic between running between the wickets and finding the gaps and really giving the captain the runaround and I think what we've seen since Henley, we've seen exactly that and I think Pat Cummins is unfortunately the captain of Australia and he's getting a runaround not because of uh, of you know anything other than the way England are playing, I think England have played you know absolutely brilliantly and they've made Pat Cummins, it could have been Steve Smith, it could have been anybody else in charge of that Australian team I still think England will be in the same position as the are now
2: OK, well, look, uh, still plenty more to come on the show. Been promising you some Johnny Bairstow audio. That is being cut up as we speak. We're going to hear from David Gower as well. So uh, lots to talk about, lots to uh, look back on uh, after uh, England uh, uh, posted 592 with Johnny Bairstow, 99 not out at the end. Uh, we should make mention of a fifer for Josh Hazlewood. And then when Australia came out to about 275 runs in arrears, Uh, They lost to Usman Khawaja just before tea, thanks to Mark Wood. Uh, David Warner chopped on. Brilliant spell, actually, from Chris Wokes. And uh, then Steve Smith and Travis Head late in the day. But is there possibly enough time in this Test match, weather permitting, to take those final six wickets? We will find out over the next couple of days. Uh, You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest on TalkSport.
5: and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmson. Uh, Earlier this evening, Sam Mellarge has been busy today. Uh, caught up with the uh, England legend. He's going to be busy tonight as well. If you're in the Manchester area, he's uh, hosting a balmy bingo event. He, he's going to love it. That I actually mentioned that on Talksport, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, we caught up with England legend David Gower. Started off by asking him about that brilliant Bearstone knock.
3: Like many people, um, I was wondering about the tactics on this day, thinking maybe 200 would be enough. Maybe they declare, um, but it did give by not doing that. Um, it gave Johnny the perfect chance to free himself up. And I think he must have got some confidence the other day from the diving catch. Um, Because I've watched Johnny over the years, and I know Johnny pretty well. And I know there's that sort of, shall we say, a bit of a wish for affirmation. He needs that sort of confidence boost. Uh, And what he did last year was spectacular. What he's done this year, we've seen him under pressure. So that pressure is now beautifully removed. And he was, as I say, free to play shots, free to be... Johnny B, you know, the the king of basketball as from last year, um, adding more woe to the Australians here in Old Trafford, uh, enjoying the conditions, enjoying the bowling, uh, hitting it very, very sweetly. So that's, that will, will actually be a really, really big boost for him. Given the
2: dreadful weather over the weekends mm. and that we know Ben is a very, very aggressive captain, were you slightly surprised that they went on for as long as they did? Well,
3: look, there's always... Uh, many a way to skin a cat, as they say. Uh, more than one way. Ben, if you, let's look at it this way. If you if you make your runs quickly and pile them on in quantities, then you've got leeway. You've got a bit of leeway. I mean, I was, I was thinking personally. I was thinking that a lead of two hundred might be enough because we needed to take wickets and it was still looking a very good pitch. So you need to kind of start taking wickets to get in amongst them. And if you start to run out of time over the last couple of days. And you might have to chase, well, maybe you can make the most of a chase. I mean, But it's this unknown quantity, which is how much rain do you get Saturday, Sunday Old Trafford? Uh, And the forecast changes by the second. (laughs) I mean, I've I've tried the Met Office, (laughs) I've tried YR, the Norwegians. What are they saying, David? We need to know. The Norwegians love their weather, so they they understand what's going on anywhere in the world. And, yeah, I'm afraid Saturday and Sunday are not looking good for clear blue skies and cricket. So, you know, time, time is of the
2: essence Talking of that then, listen, we know England are super aggressive. It's not easy for any team to come up against that. But do you remember watching an Australia team, certainly in recent years, look perhaps as, as rattled and, and on the back foot as what we've seen from this Australia team? And what did you make of how they went about trying to stop England? And in particular, the captaincy of Pat Cummins that has come under for a little bit of criticism over the last 24 hours. Well, OK,
3: I would sympathise with Pat along these grounds. A, a bowling captain is always under pressure. He's got Steve Smith in the field, who does a really good job as vice-captain, which you you see the picture, you see sort of live pictures of Steve waving his arms around. He's the captain, (laughs) doesn't he? Well, almost, yeah. (laughs) But actually, I mean, I I have nothing against that because um, having played with, say, Bob Willis as a bowling captain when I was vice-captain, you're allowed to give advice, you're allowed to give opinions, you're allowed to have a a different perspective. Uh, And even as a captain myself, uh, a batting captain, I would always say to people, if you've got ideas, bring them forth. If they're good, I might nick them. If they're bad, I'll just get rid of them. And, of course, if they work, then it's my idea. (laughs) If they don't work, it's your idea. Um, So that that sort of combination of minds is, I think, relevant to any good team. And it's absolutely fine. So, I mean, I sympathise with Cummins for one thing alone, which is that England's batting on a pitch which suited them and conditions which favoured the batsmen and favoured this for the. Greatest iteration of baseball in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any captain, whether you're a batting captain, bowling captain, would be under pressure. Best Asher series of all time. Well, uh, you can yeah. I mean, you, you can say yes without having to think about it in many many ways. Um, I mean, I go back as far as you know my own experience. Eighty one, of course, was interesting. You know, my great friend, my long long serving friend and <laughs> colleague, Mr. Botham, uh, Lord Botham. Um, I mean, that had ebbs and flows. That had ridiculous changes of direction in games. I mean, beefy, beefy at Edgerton with, what, 20-odd to win, 21 to win or something, five for one. That sort of stuff is actually what it could do with right now, as we speak <laughs> yeah, here yeah. at Old Trafford. Someone could wander in quietly and get five for
2: one. This game would turn on its head. Uh, so those sort of things are epic. 1981 ashes was interesting only david gower could really uh, <laughs> describe it as that and you know exactly what he means as yeah. well uh brilliant interview there big thanks to david gower now i've been talking about johnny best for quite some time about 40 minutes and saying that we're going to hear from his uh, press conference uh, he has just spoken to the media after that quite brilliant and brutal 99 not out and he was asked about his recovery from injury and some of the comments in the media that he's faced
5: there's obviously um, been some chitter-chatter and opinions um, that have been rather interesting at times, um, especially uh, when there's not been many conversations around how my uncle is or anything like that, and uh, whether they're fair, whether they're not fair, and That's up to you guys to decide, um, because you guys are writing the, the different bits. I've completely switched off from everything I've just been told a few... Snippet, shall we say. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's been rather interesting, and um, I'm delighted to be out there. I'm incredibly proud and um, a proud man to be taking the field after the well, I'm still only 10 months post operation now. Um, To have the injury that I had, uh, to be back playing international sport within uh, nine months, is is something that I'm incredibly proud of because. it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to come back from. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of um, testing times uh, with it. Um, because naturally, when you have an injury of that significance, um, there's a chance that you don't play sport again.
2: Have we given the bestow injury, and you have actually spoken about it quite a lot, mm. but have we given him enough, enough props for essentially coming back from what could have been you know a a year two years he's he's in his 30s uh, on the sidelines um, or does that kind of miss the point somewhat you know if the decision has been made that he's fit enough to play then he's got to be treated like everybody else and if he drops a catch or he doesn't score runs he's criticised and if he takes a blind though and he scores a lot of runs he gets praise, that's how it works isn't it?
4: Absolutely and I think the reason <clears throat> the reason he's got back is down to the sort of mental fortitude that he's got to be the best Johnny Besto he possibly can be. He's got himself in a position to get fit to play and to get ready for the ashes and pardon the pun but blows are off once you are selected for England because the England selectors have deemed that with the medical team and yourself, that you are fit enough to play cricket for England. The only thing I've said against Johnny, and I've been a champion of Johnny's, you know that, John, for the last two years, I think he should have been kept, kept wicket. Oh, I've been, absolutely. I've been absolutely. consistent with that. The only thing I've said against it is that I don't think anybody really watched him closely from a selection point of view, to, to work out whether he's up to the challenge from an injury point of view of keeping wicket. Now, that's not me levelling criticism at Johnny. Johnny would be in my team every single day of the week because if I didn't feel as though he could play as a wicketkeeper, he'd definitely be playing as a batter because I look at the, this innings especially. There's England. If England win this game, pardon the, the Ian, put, uh, Ian Smith, put him, but bear us the margins and win by an innings, that's largely down to Johnny Best though large you know the majority of it's down to Johnny Bairstow's innings. Now the reason why England want him in the team, and England have gone so hard at getting him in the team, is because of this. you look at Zach Crawley. Zach Crawley will get out in 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 the future, in horrendous ways. Johnny Bairstow will drop catches in the future, guaranteed, not a problem. But this team picks not on. Not on numbers, not on stats. It's what you can do to contribute to change of the course of a game or put the course of a game in the favour of uh, of the England cricket team and we'll pick like that. And that's why Mo and Ali's back. That's why Zach Crawley is consistently picked at the top. And that's why I've got no no problem with Johnny Bairstow even dropping catches, because I know for a fact the whole round package gets me in a position to win games because he does it so quickly. He has got England... He's he's probably saved England 50 60 overs in this 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 match just by batting the way he's batted because England if England get bowled out for 160 170 in front it means England have to bat again in the fourth innings this game this time, this game hasn't got the time for England to bat in the fourth innings so that's what I mean by why Johnny should always play.
2: shall we uh, shall we call a spade a spade um, because we know that there is a little divide happening isn't there. Um, the England team have not been happy with some of what has been written and said about them. Do you think they're just a bit thin-skinned? Do you think you were thin-skinned when you were a player? I mean, yeah, we've, um, we're have we all thin-skinned. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us saying it on air, but Matt Pryor, when he became part of our TalkSport commentary team, um, was quite clear about how he. there was a them against us kind of feeling within the dressing room about the press at times. And that was a very successful team. He played in, Uh, and I remember Andrew McKenna, and I'm sure Andrew McKenna won't mind me saying it as well. But you know, I think England went one nil up against Sri Lanka in the three test series, and Maca was of the opinion that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if England were to lose the second test, so that it could be very exciting going to the third test. And Matt Pryor was not having a bar of it, and that's absolutely fair enough, of course. Once England went 2-0 up and he had to commentate on that third test and he realised that having a little bit of drama about five days of test cricket isn't the worst thing in the world, is it? But essentially, you can't have it all, can you? Or or are the England team right? Because they would say, look, this is is the kind of brand of cricket we're playing. We're never going to get it right all the time. But essentially, you can't have one thing if you can't have the other. And it's not on to criticise us and then the next minute go on about how brilliant it is to see us reverse scooping over our heads for a, for a six.
4: Yeah, I, I get that, and that, th- th- we are all thin-skinned when it comes to, to criticism and, and that, and I think a lot of the players will say, well, yeah, if the criticism's coming from people who have not so much played the game and then get, they get personal, then that hurts a little bit because they don't understand. I think what really hurts big time from a player's point of view is when somebody who's played the game is saying things for effect for their headline. And that's what annoys a lot of players. That's what used to annoy me. You know, I I, I make no, I was there. I had a go at Jeffrey Boycott in public. And people said to me, why did you have a go at Jeffrey? And I had a go at Jeffrey for one reason. he got personal. I had no, in, no I had no problem with them criticising me, none whatsoever. I sat next to Bob Willis, you know the great Bob Willis, for seven or eight years when I finished playing. And the first thing I said to him, well, the first thing he said to me was um, talking about like if you don't agree with what I say, just feel feel free and we'll get into a beer. And I says, Bob, I've not agreed with anything you've said for the last eight years when talking about me. He patted me on the back. He said, You'll do for me, son, and absolutely brilliant. But he didn't really get personal. He got he got critical. But he didn't get personal. So for me, the minute it gets personal, and I think there's been some of the stuff labelled at Johnny, clickbait. Some of the stuff labelled at Johnny for the, the individual's effect, and not just having a, just an easy target. And that's why I said right at the very top, Johnny Besto has being quite an easy target to have a go at when somebody in the side, somebody out the side, is not better than than Johnny Besto. Um, that's when I think Johnny got his back up and I think he's right to to, to, to sort of level that and if he he could go one better and I would go one better <laughs> I was quite forceful with my opinion I've not changed the person if I was having a go at somebody I made sure that person knew how I was having a go at because I'd pull them to one side in the corridor and say what on earth are you having a go at NASA was saying how to go at me once on the, uh, and I had to go back at NASA and we were having a bit of a ding dong on the, on the field at Lords. and you know what I got so much more respect. I couldn't I didn't think I could get any more respect for Nasser Hussein. And I did that day because I was a player in the middle of my career having a go at a former player who was commentating. But you know what? He usual Nasser, never back down, give me it even harder. And you know what? I respected his opinion for it because he didn't he didn't shy away from it. He had to go back at what he was you know, reiterating what he was saying. But he wasn't personal. It was it was constructive criticism. I took it away, and I was thankful for it. And that, for was me, he was right. A, he was right. He was right. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. I was, he was having a go at me preparation. I wasn't prepared for for the big series that I should have been prepared for. Largely down, I was. I was. I, I explained to him how much injured. I was and explained what happened. But he didn't. He didn't give an inch, and he kept going. And 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 to be fair, I respected him even more for it, which I didn't think I could because I've got so much. I hold him so high esteem.
2: Oh, brilliant! I-, I loved having Nasser as part of our commentary team and listening uh, to oh, having him and you on at the same time was one of the the best combinations that that we had. You're listening to following on Ash's inquest.
1: Bursar fantastic. Brooks sort of mixed it up a bit, but you need both from playing. But
3: that innings today were fantastic from Bursar. So we're the best team in the world. Johnny tells at his best when he's under pressure. And he's proved everyone wrong. And he proved everyone wrong there. And that 99 was better than any hundreds that you'll ever see.
4: A lot of people are saying he shouldn't be in the side uh, for the entire series. But of course, Johnny, just Donny, Johnny, Johnny Besto doing Johnny Besto things. He's proving people wrong. It's just wonderful. And I mean, it was a shame it was 99. But the thing is, it's only one run away from 100. And we're always obsessed with zeros. So if he'd scored, you know, I don't know. If we got 101, we thought we could have 102. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just one run. <laughs>
2: Funny, isn't it? Uh, you get a very different reaction at cricket grounds to what you get on Twitter. <laughs> I remember Salas de Cook walking out to bat at the Aegeus Bowl 2014. England had just lost at Lords, uh, people questioning his captaincy. And he walked out to bat, and the whole crowd, it was such a warm yeah. reaction to him. And it just makes you think, you know, whoever, whatever echo chamber you, you live in, well, it's not what the echo chamber to the person next to you, and a lot of people aren't even living in echo chambers. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, I was there.
4: I remember that. I was there.
2: You remember it, yeah? Mm. It was, uh, yeah. It was quite a moment. the vision actually. at
4: lunchtime as well, didn't he? he got yeah. did he get fifty, didn't
2: he? Yeah, he did. It was quite a moment. Uh, let's hear a little bit more from Berste though before we get to the end of the show, talking about criticism, whether it's part and parcel of the game.
5: Not really. I've had it for pretty much more of my career, <laughs> so it's part and parcel of it. Uh, I've completely stayed away from it to be honest. Surrounding myself with my family and my friends that have been there through. Um, through thick thick and thin, surrounding myself with the guys in the dressing room. Um, And I'm incredibly proud to have um, that support network down there uh, in the inner sanctum of of the dressing room that we have uh, and the support network of my uh, close friends and family.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, actually. And it's not just in uh, in professional sports people's lives that you need your family and your friends. It's in our crazy world as well, the media. You just do need to have somebody in your life that's, well... Normal, yeah, you know, and uh, and what he says there is bang on, isn't it?
4: It is, it, it's it's spot on, and he became a father for the first time recently as well, which, you know, that's a different, that's a change in in life and a change in outlook because Johnny, Johnny's always been. I was amazed when I seen the pictures of Johnny becoming a father. I didn't realize, you know, it was, he was, he was, he was, that was imminent and that was common. I thought he was um, very much single and it was always about Johnny and, you know, having the injury, becoming a father, everything that's gone with it and the criticism he's received. And when you asked before, do you think it was some of it just and some of it unjust? A lot of it, he had no control on whatsoever because all he did was got picked. All Johnny Bairstow did was got picked. It wasn't his fault the selectors decided to drop Ben fokes It wasn't his fault they decided to put Johnny Bairstow with the gloves. So a lot of the criticism outside uh, I think was unfair. You can't, you can't shy away from the fact that he dropped catches. But what we've just seen is that's why he's in the team and he's brilliant. And when you are surrounded by the love of a good dressing room, then what happens outside? Who cares? Like he says, really, who cares? Those 5 minute conversation, it's everything's, yeah, it's all nice to have these debates. But when he plays like that, who cares,
2: really? Uh, we've only got a minute left. Quick one for you: Ben Fletcher, the uh, newsreader, sports newsreader on uh, Talk Sports, uh, messaged me to say, Can you rem- ever remember playing a game of cricket where you were saved by two days of rain? No, I don't think I
4: have. I think in the old days, he probably would have. But I think now, not during the modern time of post or after sort of 2004, 2005, when a lot of these test grounds got you know, the super-duper outfields. Uh, that's why I've, I've got no... I've, I, I don't think there's going to be any issue. I think even if we have to wait till 6 o'clock on Sunday night for a last hour, when the, when the forecast gets a little bit better, because I think it gets better after sort of lunchtime on Sunday then I still think there'll be enough time to finish this cricket match.
2: Well, I um, wish I was as confident as you, Steve Harmison, <laughs> because the weather of maps I've team for the next two days are atrocious. Now, I think possibly we might get two hours. But is that enough time to take six wickets? I'm not sure. Look, we'll find out over the course of the next two days whether uh, England do have the time to take those six wickets or whether, you know, Australia bat batted, uh, batted out to safety. Uh, there's, they've got enough batting. They bat down to 10 at the end of the day. So they'll still fancy their chances of uh, securing the ashes here, retaining it anyway. 2-1 we want to play. But boy, oh boy, would it be great if it was uh, 2-2 ahead of that fifth and final Ash's test match. Uh, I can't uh, promise you that we're going to be back tomorrow. If there's no play, then we won't be. But if there is, then we will. Uh, Whatever happens, though, I think we'll be bringing you a show between 7 and 8 uh, on Sunday night. Hopefully, looking back at an England win. But uh, we shall see. Harmie, thanks for your time. uh, And thanks for listening. Uh, This has been uh, following on Ash's Inquest.